Um, it is Father's Day, and I've got a message called Good Fathers. Good Fathers, and I'm going to I'm going to put it, insert it right in my series on good success because I don't believe a family, a society, a community, a nation can really ultimately be successful without good fathers. And so we want to we want to honor fathers today um, by by sharing. From the Word of God, some thoughts about what really makes a good father. The best example I could find was Paul talking about himself as a spiritual father to the people that he had led to the Lord and that he was ministering to. But the, the connection, the correlation to fatherhood in the family sense that you dads that are here today experience in your life will be pretty obvious. So if you will, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have 10,000 tutors in Christ, yet not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. I beg you therefore, be imitators of me. Because of this I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and who will remind you of my ways which are in Christ even as I teach everywhere in every assembly. Being a good father is the highest accomplishment a man can strive for. You're most like God when you're a good father. Think with me about it. The universe is created and ruled by a heavenly father. Our God, the Almighty God, the Eternal God, at his very core, at his essence, reveals himself as a father. And so the, the whole universal structure, right down to this earth and mankind and our society, is a derivative of the nature of a father. And so fatherhood's pretty important. I want to take out of this scripture that I shared with you in 1 Corinthians 4 some phrases Around these phrases, I want to collect some thoughts for you to consider that will encourage you and bless you. But I want to start with um, a negative thought. And so we want to deal with the negative first. And so the first thought I want to deal with is the phrase where the Apostle Paul writes, For though you have 10,000 tutors in Christ, yet not many fathers. That is negative because it's a little sad. That as important as fatherhood is, when it comes down to it, even 2,000 years ago, Paul said, you don't have very many fathers. And so, fathers are rare. True good fathers, and I use the phrase good fathers to distinguish from dads who just simply are biological or uh, maybe on the scene or not on the scene, but you'll understand what I mean, and you probably do already when we talk about good fathers. Good fathers are a rare breed. Look, men, you can be highly respected and succeed at a lot of things in life and still fail at fatherhood. You can have the respect of everybody in business and in society and lose the respect of your family at home by failing at fatherhood. Being a success in other things does not ensure that you're going to be a success as a father. It's hard work. To be a true father, to be a good father, takes more concentrated, sustained effort and more self-control 
than just about any other labor in life, if you think about it. Sustained, concentrated self-control. No wonder it's a hard job. There are a couple of things that he said when he talked about you have not many fathers. He contrasted tutors with fathers or teachers with fathers. And I just want to bring that out to you and make the comment that tutors or teachers are only responsible for the lesson, but fathers are responsible for the life, the life of their child. And so you'll see a father whose heart is for the life of his child, not just to teach a lesson and then they're finished with their responsibility. The other thing I want to say is that there's no other su success that substitutes fatherhood. You go out of your house and you can be successful in anything else in life and yet fail as a father, as I said before. But I want you to consider something, that you could succeed spiritually in ministry, in the gospel, and in other things that are good and noble causes and still fail to be a good father. Unfortunately, the Bible's bad examples of fathering far outnumber the good ones. And when you study the Bible's bad examples of fathering or, or examples of bad fathers, you're not going to find the names of evil kings or unbelievers. You're going to find the names of some of the most highly respected and most highly esteemed men and prophets of God in the Bible, such as Jacob and Eli the priest, King David, a man after God's own heart, and his son Solomon. They were all failures as dads. You can serve God and you can be mighty in the things of God and have the respect of other Christians and believers. You can even have the respect of God for the work you do in the ministry, but fail as a father. It's a completely unique calling that you have to give yourself to, and nothing else you give yourself to will fulfill that calling. The fact that these men failed as fathers proves that no other status in this life, no other success in life, will make you a good father. It's its own work, and it's not dependent upon education, money, or popularity. You can be poor, you can be uneducated, you can by the earth, worldly standards of society be looked down upon as, as being less intelligent than others and be a great dad. You don't need any of those things to be a great dad, but none of those accomplishments will make you a great dad. Let me move on in this, this final set of points that I'd like to make about the, the negative, you have not many fathers. Paul said, we have not many fathers. Today, that's probably as true, if not truer, than it's ever been in human history. Because today in our culture, right here in the United States of America, in the heart of Western culture, there is an all-out war on fatherhood. And... I'm not going to just attack our culture and lay the blame at the feet of our, our cultural influences. I'm going to take it right to Lucifer, right to the devil himself, who I believe is the one who has called for this jihad on fatherhood. Satan knows how essential fatherhood is to the health of families and communities and how easily and how quickly Quickly, <laughs> see, proof that it doesn't take great intelligence to be a good dad. Hallelujah. Um, 
how quickly a society completely collapses once fatherhood has been corrupted. Fatherhood today, when I think about in our culture what, what, what fatherhood looks like in American society, I see a staggering dying water buffalo with a pack of hyenas finishing it off, taking it down to the death, ready to devour it. That's how I see fatherhood in our culture, in our society. Fatherhood is under attack from nearly every significant area of influence in modern society today. Fathers are reduced to clowns on our TV shows and in our movies, while male heroes are either men who have no children or men who have ruined their relationships with their families and children and are off in the uh, scenario of some movie being a great hero, but there's a wrecked family left off the script somewhere in the background. These are the heroes that we are putting before our young men today. There's a war in our culture on fatherhood. Males, males, young males in our society are being destroyed by immorality, immaturity, and materialism before they ever reach fatherhood. Girls and women and, and uh, uh, wives looking for husbands have to really scour the earth and scrape to find men, young men, who are mature, that are not just a bunch of fools and, and corrupted by immorality. And I don't want to go off because I could get on this soapbox all day long and really, why curse the darkness when you can light a candle? I am going to light a candle concerning fatherhood this morning. But I just want you to understand the context that, that we are, we're dealing with a hard job that fathers have today. They're fighting this cultural war. Finally, let me say that our culture today has elevated feminists and homosexuals as their leading examples of enlightenment, sensitivity, and compassion. while the significance of fatherhood as the head of society has been made the scapegoat for nearly every ill of society. Today we look at the homosexual as the most enlightened and sensitive form of a male being. And where are the, where's the treasure trove of wisdom and sensitivity? It's with the feminists. It's with the women. Now look, I'm not saying anything against women and I'm not saying anything against homosexuals. What I'm saying is that fatherhood has been drugged down and replaced by feminists and homosexuals as the leading example of our society. Fatherhood was once the head of society and the responsibility set on those shoulders. And that is no longer the case in our culture. So if you, if you want encouragement from our culture today as a young man to be a father, you're not going to find it in our culture. You will be ridiculed, made fun of. You've been replaced by homosexuals par par uh, parading through the streets and feminists angrily cursing and accusing 
their fathers and all other fathers of being insensitive. Our society's in big trouble today. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Amen. Satan's been incrementally degrading fatherhood for generations because he knows that poisoning fatherhood is a self-perpetuating disease. In other words, nothing destroys fatherhood like fatherlessness. Let me say it again. Nothing destroys fatherhood like fatherlessness. A couple of generations of fatherlessness and fatherhood is gone. Just look in the black community today. All of my pastor friends, I'm a, I'm a member of an association of churches and pastors in Clearwater, and I am the only white pastor in that association. So all my pastor friends that I fellowship with are black pastors and, and pastor black congregations. And when we get together, I, I, I assure you, they talk about the fact that 70 to 75% of their families have no fathers in their home. They know, because they live it and deal with it every day, that is fatherlessness that is at the very root of everything they deal with in the streets and in the churches. And that is not limited to the black urban culture of America. That is systemic throughout every level, every race, every culture in our nation today. Fatherhood is under attack. Can you say amen? But you know what? Paul didn't just say, you have not many fathers. He went on to say some awesome things. So let's now take a look at what's great about good fathers. Well, the first thing that I see is that Paul said, I don't write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So the first thing I want to say to us this morning is that good fathers have Strong relationships with their children. Good fathers have deliberate, strong bonds and they maintain strong relationships with their sons and with their daughters. First of all, good fathers care deeply for their children. And you know what? Good fathers, good dads, they guard their own hearts against the passions of other things work, hobbies, interests that might be good that are not necessarily evil, but they guard their own hearts against those outside interests being able to come in and the passions of those other things come in and choke the love for their children so that everything else in life is taking up their interests and their time and there's very little left for their sons and their daughters. That's why I love that video, Dad Life. Because it showed those guys. And to me, those guys are the heroes. They really are the heroes of our culture today. They're the guys that even though they love the lawn tractor and the barbecue, you know they, they, want, that, uh, they want that Corvette or whatever, but they got the minivan. You know? I remember growing up, and even though I was a dad to only two children, it was like being a dad to 20 sometimes. But even though I was a dad just to two children, there were a lot of things that I wanted. You know, I'm a gadget-oriented person, and I'm a toy guy. I mean, I like toys. I love, but, you know, I, did, I had nearly none of those things. 
The things that I enjoy as hobbies today, I didn't have any of those when my kids were growing up because we put the kids first, and I held off until I raised my kids before I indulged in those other things. And even still, and let me say to you that uh, even though I'm using the term good, good fathers, I don't think there's one good father that leaves this world without a certain amount of regret that they could have done a better job. All of us fall short, and, and I carry that burden just like every other dad. Um, but the fact is that good fathers care deeply about their children, and they guard their hearts so that their, their, their thoughts and their emotions are not being pulled off into other things so that they've got plenty of emotional reserve in their thought and in their heart for their own children. And, and besides keeping their heart on their children, having strong relationships with their children, they, they work tirelessly to guide and to prepare their children for successful living. Good fathers make it their hobby to, to know their children and to work at preparing them to take hold in life and to be successful as godly men and godly women. They understand that as a father, they have been given a life to prepare, not just lessons to give out. Amen? Amen. Paul went on to say, I beg you, imitate me. And he described imitating me as, as imitating my ways which are in Christ. So let me say to you that good fathers lead by example. Be an imitator of me, Paul said. Do you understand that Paul, Paul didn't say, you know what, my life is my private business. As I speak with Christians uh, on the internet and in different forums, and I meet Christians face to face, I've noticed how the, the secular mindset of privacy and entitlement has crept into the body of Christ when it was just maybe 25, 30 years ago or more that when, that when you would meet a, a solid Christian, they would consider themselves a disciple and would be ashamed to say, look, that's my private business. You can't tell me what I can and can't do. That's my private, my private life. Because we felt like being a Christian was taking up your cross and denying yourself and, and giving yourself to the interests of God. Well, that's a lot like fatherhood. And, but today, there has been a growing sentiment that has taken root, and it's growing, and Christians, young, particularly young Christians, are real quick to let you know, you don't cross that line. This is my business. What I do in my life, my private life, is my business. Pastors are completely intimidated today. This is why you don't hear very much preaching that's done in an intelligent and sensitive way laying out the boundaries of scriptures because men, most young Christians, they can't tolerate it and they won't tolerate it. They won't put up with it. They'll just vote with their feet, walk out and go find someplace where somebody's not going to get in their grits and talk to them about, you know, how they ought to be living. You see, with a culture like that, you can't raise fathers because fathers know all about sacrifice. Fathers are guys who have desires and passions, and they want to be silly, and they want to stay kids and, don't, and not ever grow up, and they want to be foolish, but they know they've got to be serious, and they know that they have to, uh, they have to be sacrificial. 
They understand that, and they understand that as a Christian. So Paul says, imitate me. Imitate my ways in life. But see, it's hard to do that with modern Christianity, which says, this is what the Word says, but you know, don't, you can't judge me. Christians today are very fast to throw up that hand. You can, don't you judge me. You're not supposed to. You can't judge me. Well, what an incredible convenience it is for the devil to just completely tear down fatherhood and motherhood or just being a great example as a Christian if we cannot admonish one another, if we can't challenge one another, if we can't put examples before people that call for self-sacrifice because everybody's getting offended and everyone's saying, get out of my business and you can't tell me what to do with my life, then fatherhood is dead. If we can't raise fathers up in the church, then where is the world going to look to produce fathers? Amen. I, I promised I wasn't being negative, and I feel, I feel a little negative. Let me, let me get positive. Hallelujah. Paul said, lead by example. Imitate me with a thoughtfully measured balance of explanation and demonstration. Good fathers carry their children on their back with them through their daily life. Now, that's, that is a... That is a metaphor, if you will. That's a picture that I want you to have in your mind. Good fathers don't leave the house and out of sight, out of mind. Good fathers have their children and they carry their children with them throughout the day, throughout the night. And they carefully, and it is painstakingly, uh, it is a mental exercise. It takes work to carefully combine the job of explanation and demonstration. Some, some, some males that have produced kids never really become good fathers because they only want to explain. They don't want to demonstrate. They simply want to tell their kids what they should do. Do as I say, and you finished it, you understand. Because they, they see fatherhood as simply having authority. I should just be able to command you, and you just do what I command you to do. Other fathers in the ditch on the other side of the road see their responsibility as, as not interfering with their children. That, that God, these little seeds are just going to bloom into what they're supposed to be, and I don't want to inhibit. And so, you know, they, their, their explanation is... Simply one of complete license and freedom. Just be what you are meant to be. And, um, but good fathers realize in a sane world that their responsibility is to take a wonderful balance, strike a balance between explanation and demonstration, and find out how they can win each of their sons and daughters. How they can not only explain, but demonstrate. They carry their children with them throughout the day. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. A good father's children, in terms of demonstrating what it means to be a success in life, there's certain things that a good father's children will always see in their father or not see in their father. For example, his children will never see him disrespect mom or degrade her. Let me say that again because 
That needs to be repeated. The children of a good father will never hear or see their father degrade, humiliate, or put down their mother. Good fathers don't do that. Now, they may want to have a little talk, <laughs> but they never have it in front of the children. The children never see it, and they never hear it. It's always done in private because a good father understands that a child needs to not just love, but respect their mother as well as their father. And you cannot teach a child to respect authority while you destroy the authority of their mother in front of them. Are you listening to me? You see, good fathers understand that they are working to accomplish something and they don't work against themselves. They work with themselves. The children of a good father know that the blessings of their family come directly from Jesus because they see dad take the family's needs and the crisis of the family to the family altar. They see dad going to Jesus. They don't see dad going to pieces. They see dad going to Jesus. You see, the difference between having a male in the house or having a good father in the house is that when you've got a good father in the house and the pressure's on and you're about to be evicted, things are falling apart, disasters are popping up and cropping up. Dad's not the one flipping out and running around and losing his mind with his hair on fire. He's going to Jesus. Now, you could see good fathers get upset. They're human. They're not, uh, you know, they're not the Terminator. They're human. And so, sure, you could see that they could be upset, but they never make excuses for themselves. If you see them upset, you'll hear them repent for it. To the kids in front of the family, I'm sorry. And you'll see that dad go to Jesus. He goes in his room and he comes out with an answer from God. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I've put it in the Lord's hands. Everybody, stay calm. Jesus is in control. That's what a father does. Do you understand? Why is there a father in the house? Because he's the one that says stay calm. And it isn't just say stay calm because it's a cool thing to say when everything's falling. He's been on his face before God. He feels the responsibility for his children and for his family. And so he's an intercessor. And the kids know he's an intercessor. You want to know how to raise children who won't leave your church or leave God when they turn 14, 15, 16? Have a father in the house who is an open intercessor. Solves problems by going to the problem solver, Jesus. Doesn't pretend he's got all the answers. Doesn't freak out because he doesn't have a single answer. Goes to the one who is the answer. Somebody say amen. amen. Good fathers say, imitate me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The wonderful thing about being a good father is you go to the good father, the heavenly father. You don't have to die in front of your family because you don't have the answers. You go to the heavenly father who is the answer. Praise the Lord. You can't lose 
being a good father in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you a little quick story about my dad. I had a great dad. And my dad today probably has a lot of regrets about his job as a father in fatherhood. But you wouldn't hear that from my sister, my brother, or myself. We all felt it was a great dad. And one day, my, my dad took my brother and I. We were living in Europe, and we went skiing. We were in Germany skiing on a mountain. And we were up on that mountain skiing, the three of us, when a blizzard quickly blew up. And we uh, skied down the mountain, and this thing was a whiteout. You know what a whiteout is. I mean, where you cannot see in front of you. And the wind was blowing sideways. It was like the wind was coming from over there rather than. And it was actually coming from where our car was parked several miles away. There were no lifts. There were no vehicles. You strapped your skis on in the parking lot, and you skied to where the mountain was, and then they'd have lifts to take you up. So we got down the mountain, and we had to ski along this, everything's covered with snow, along this road, we had to, you know, do the cross-country type skiing to get back to our car, which was a few miles away. And we were skiing into the blizzard coming straight at us. It was like icicles just shooting. And my brother and I, it was, we tried to be tough, we tried to be brave, but after a while, tears were freezing. We had ice tracks from the tears freezing on our faces. Well, instead of, like some dads would do, instead of lecturing us and saying, boys, be tough. Life is tough. You need to toughen up. You're going to face things like this in life. You need to toughen up. You need to get through it. Has anyone ever had a dad like that? You'll need to raise your hand. Don't get me wrong. My dad was a tough man, but he was not a rough man. My, my dad was an army officer, airborne paratrooper, veteran of two wars, a commander of men, helicopter pilot in Vietnam, uh, a combat parachutist in the Korean War. Men looked up to my dad, but he was, he was not one of those men that said, uh, you need to toughen up. So when the blizzard was coming at us, all my dad did was to say, get behind me. And he skied, and all we saw was my dad, who looked like a mountain of a man to us, on those skis, trudging towards that car for the next few miles. We just saw his backside. Now the wind and the, the snow was curling around him and still hitting us, but he formed enough of a break so that I was behind him and my brother, who was two years younger than me, Danny, was behind me. And so we skied with, for what seemed to be forever, till I didn't think my legs would go any farther, and we were frozen. But I'll never forget when we got to that car, and I thought, oh, thank God, we're at the car. And we stopped. When my dad turned around, what I saw on his face taught me everything I needed to learn about fatherhood. I never needed another lesson in my life about what fatherhood was. When my dad turned around, he was a sheet of ice. He had just one of those little bands around his forehead 
nothing on his head, and his face was just white and covered with ice. He looked like the abominable snowman. His whole front was solid ice. Never a complaint, never a, never a whimper. He's just a father. And I understood what fathers were that day. You know, I saw my dad in a lot of situations commanding men. Uh, I went on maneuvers with him, if you could believe that. It's probably illegal as a day is long today. But went out on, when he was an armored officer and commanded a tank company, went on maneuvers in Germany. My young brother and I riding around in M60 battle tanks. Out on maneuvers. And watched my dad flying in and out of the tank columns in his Jeep, his command Jeep, giving orders and so forth. Used to see my dad in all these commanding situations. I was so impressed. But when I saw the love and the sacrifice, that day I understood that's what makes him a father. Not those other things. That's what made him a father to me. Can you say amen? amen. Let me share with you a few qualities that good fathers model. Faithfulness, persistence, and the ability to rebound. Good fathers are examples of faithfulness and persistence and rebounding. You don't see them ricocheting off of failures in life, running around, falling apart, having fits, giving up, throwing in the towel. You know, a lot of young men grow up failures before they ever start in life because their own father could not rebound from disappointments could not come back from failures. In fact, when something negative would happen to dad, in some families, the kids hide. They just go find something to do. They, they stay out of the house because he becomes a terror to have to be around when he's come home from work and he's got bad news or come home and found waiting some bad news. The, the inability to rebound is passed on successively in generations. But good fathers are weak just like everyone else. They're weak too. Bad things happen to them. But they understand the value of rebounding and persisting. If you don't know God, that's hard. But when you know Jesus, the resurrection and the life, hallelujah, you can't lose for winning. You're more than a conqueror, hallelujah, when you've got Jesus living on the inside. So good fathers have that wonderful blend of faithfulness and persistence. Their children see it in them. They don't give up. They don't quit. They may redirect, but they don't retreat. Somebody say praise the Lord. Another set of values that I, that I observe in good fathers is honor Self-discipline and respect for authority. Honor, self-discipline, and respect for authority. You know, when in your house, your own father subjects himself to the Word of God, when he's not like the 800-pound ape swinging his arms around the house and demanding that everybody bow and scrape, to him and fear him, but he walks in a quiet, fearsome authority, but is tender because his authority comes 
from submitting to the authority of the Most High God. And you hear and see him when he deals with the authorities out in life, behaving in a respectful way. We learn honor, a sense of honor. I think of some of the ills that are occurring in our society today, and I, and I realize how much of the things we fight with against today would be cleared up if we had or were able to recapture that simple word honor. What is honor? If people cared about their honor, if they had some honor, if they cared about it, if they lived in an honorable way, if it mattered to them to be honorable, there's so many things that happen today that destroy families that would never take place. But many men today have lost the true meaning of honor. Honor is not something that you demand that people give to you, like the gang banger shoving a gun in your mouth and saying, are you disrespecting me? I was always taught when I was growing up as a kid that you don't deserve respect until you have earned respect. And that if people aren't giving you respect, it's either because they don't see what's respectful in you, in which case you just move around them. Or you're not demonstrating qualities that are worthy of respect. You don't get respect because you demand it. You get respect because it's something that others just give to you because they see. Honor and respect are, is learned from fathers. Respect for authority, and it comes from self-discipline. Fathers, good fathers, teach their children self-discipline. That's why I love that dad life. As funny as it was, these are guys who discipline themselves to take care of their daughters and watch Disney movies with them and, and stuff. You know those guys wish they were out doing something else. But that's why I thought these are great men. These are guys teaching their children honor and self-discipline. They don't have to sit down and lecture them till the kids want to blow their brains out. If, I, if you don't shut up, I can't take one more lecture. You just say it and then live it out before them. Just remind them from time to time. They'll get it. Kids aren't stupid. You know, when I think about fatherhood, and I kind of want to bring this to a close, and I have a couple other things I want to say. I, th I think one of the things that first struck me as I was thinking about this message was that good fathers are a balance. That was the one word that I think really characterized for me what a good father is. He's a balance of qualities. He's not just all one way or all another. For example, good fathers are tough yet tender. Good fathers are wise, but they're understandable. Good fathers are fierce, yet comforting. I don't want some effeminate, spineless, indecisive, emotionally overwrought male flitting around my house trying to raise me. I need a man, and I need a man that's got some hair on him. Yeah, I'm speaking metaphorically, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about your head either. 
Forget the manscape. I need a man that's fierce. Now, I'm not talking about a violent, threatening man. I'm not talking about someone you need to worry about on US 19 in a traffic altercation. I'm talking about the fierceness of a man who's got enough seriousness and honor about him that you know that under certain conditions you don't want to cross this person. They can defend a family if they need to. They can stand up for those that are abused and mistreated. These are people that are fierce. They're capable, but they're tender, comforting. I think of the the balance that I see in good fathers between seriousness and fun. They're not just a great, big, hairy 13-year-old that won't take responsibility in the house. But they're fun. These guys in the video, they were hilarious. Fun. But they're dads. When they need need to step in and be a father, they're serious, but they're fun. It's a balance. It's every one of these qualities, a balance, a balance, a balance, a balance. And you know what? If there are dads who are failing at fatherhood, I guarantee you that it's a, it's a failure of degrees. They're just a little bit tilted too far one way or the other. They're all about the seriousness, all about the toughness. There's a real lack of fun and a lack of tenderness and a lack of comfort. Or they're, they're tilted the other way. You understand? I don't need to go into the explanation, but you get it. The guy that's up here at 12 o'clock, he lives a balanced life. He lives a balanced life. He's not an extremist. That guy is going to be a great dad, a great father. All he has to do is just stay before God. He's going to make it. Hallelujah. You know, good fathers realize that for their children, they are either an open door or a closed door to the Heavenly Father. Now, you're not going to hear too many statements that are more true than that. Fathers are either a closed door or an open door to our Heavenly Father. There are more children that have grown up to become adults who have closed the door on God because their father was a closed door to God. Or they've opened the door and those kids can see Jesus because their their dad was the closest thing to Jesus. Not that he was a religious fanatic, but that he was Christ-like. I give you for your consideration John's Gospel, chapter 14, 9. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. That's what good dads are. They are the men who can stand in their families to say, if you've seen me, if you've seen the Father. Not, I'm God's representative. By God, you better do what I say. I don't see Jesus doing that. Jesus never did that. But you can see that Jesus commanded respect and authority. Did he have people that didn't recognize the Father? And listen, those people that arrested him and killed him, many of them saw God in him. They just killed him anyway. So not everyone's going to be in love with you. Not everyone's going to think you're all that and a bag of chips. But the ones that matter. And can I say this and you'll understand, there's no guarantee that your kids are going to get up, grow up, even if you are a good dad, a good father, and they're going to be great successes in life because they are little people. 
they, they become who and what they are. But they stand a better chance at having an open door where they can see the Father. Most young people grow up and their idea of what the characteristics of God are are the characteristics that they saw in their dad. You can like that or you can not like it, but that's absolutely 100% true. Like it or not, if you dislike it and disregard it, you do so at your own peril. But if you take it to heart, you'll be wiser and better off for it. Children learn how to think about God by seeing how their dad behaves at home. Let me close with this thought. Fatherhood is the universal flow of blessing. I've pulled out a verse I want to close with. It's one of the most remarkable statements in the Bible about fatherhood, and it's God speaking about Abraham, the father of faith. Genesis 18, verse 17 through 19. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen, or I, another translation says, For I have known him. For I have chosen him, or I have known him, that he will command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Not he's going to tell them to do righteousness and justice. He will lead his children by doing righteousness and justice, listen to this, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Now listen to me. The Father of the universe has just given the key to how to receive the blessing in life to succeed. The blessing of receiving every promise that God has promised. What is the key? So that I may do for you all that I said I was going to do. Lead your children to keep the way of the Lord and your household will be blessed. If I could express this to every family in America, we could have a national revival if it took hold. Want to turn the fortunes of your families, of our communities, of our towns, of our cities? Some of our cities are about to burn down. Some of our communities are doing great. You know what the difference is? Fathers. God said it right here. I have commanded Abraham because I know him. He will lead his family in righteousness and in justice to keep the way of the Lord. Therefore, by him doing that, I will be able to bring upon him every prophecy I've spoken concerning him. Amen. That is absolutely astounding. What an answer to prayer. How can we get God's blessing into our home if there's a father in that house, have him read that verse and then do it. Just do it. You can 
Avoid doing anything else. And you can still succeed if you'll do that. If you do that, God's blessing will come upon you, upon your house. God will bring upon you everything that He has said. He will cause you, your children, to flourish, your family, hallelujah, to do well. Those blessings will be there. Yes, your children will still have their own will. Yes, they can do what they want to do, and they'll have the consequences. But the advantages of having God's grace will be there. Manifest. They're there. If they turn their nose up at it, then they turn their nose up at it. But it won't be because it isn't there. Manifest. God's prosperity, His peace, His blessing. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Close your Bible. Stand with me this morning. This is Father's Day. And our God is the Father of all living. In fact, the Bible says He is the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, came to us. And so today, I want to encourage our fathers. I said something early in the message, and this is going to be the open door to our closing prayer this morning. There's not a good father who at the end of his life, when he says, I finished my course, I've kept the faith, does not go into eternity with some pretty serious regrets that he could have done better. He would have taken this road instead of that road. He would have made this decision instead of that decision. Good fathers are not men that have never made mistakes raising their children. They make a lot of mistakes, but they learn from them. And when they see what the problem is, they don't keep going down that same road. It's the ability to rebound under the net. When you've missed the shot and you know why you've missed the shot, stop doing that same lame layup routine. When you learn from your mistakes, you move on. See, it's not that you've missed. It's that you're not so stubborn, you're not willing to learn. Your children are watching. Good fathers make plenty of mistakes. Children are resilient. You know, there's tons of testimonies of children that had a horrible dad who one day came to Jesus and was transformed. I've watched many families come into our church over the years and churches that I've pastored. And I've seen children that had a monster for a dad in the house, but then came to Jesus and he let God transform him and change his life. And those kids are pliable, they're moldable. And where they had been wounded and hindered and hurt, they quickly heal, rise up and bloom, and the joy of the Lord moving in that household. It's never too late. That's what I'm saying to you. It's never too late to be a good dad, to be a good father, to be a better dad, a better father. Hallelujah. And then there's grandkids, round two. Hallelujah. I could talk about that, but I won't. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> Close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, first of all, thank you. Because every day is Father's Day in the kingdom of God. Every single day. I know that fathers are special to you, Lord. Because we are in the unique position of carrying the reflection of your glory. I pray for every dad 
Because, Father, our society today hates fathers. Every dad today is fighting an uphill battle. There's no respect in our society for fathers. Fathers are made fun of. And the devil is out there tempting dads like never before. From the internet to the television to the workplace. Everywhere dads go, they have to fight off temptations. Struggle. There's very little support. And there's a world of bad examples that bombard our dads every single day. Everything from women to money, from perversion to power, to every distraction and escape, both in the church and out. Father, we need your help. I pray for these dads. It's not easy. I lift these men, both young and old, before you. Help our dads today. I pray for every dad that's carrying a burden of regret today. It's never too late. Lord, I pray that you would encourage and lift up every man today who is a father. Help him to take away something from this message that encourages him that, hey, I can do that. I don't need money, fame, finance. I just need you. And so I thank you, Lord. Lift up that dad. Encourage him. Bless him. Let him know, Father, the good things that have been done because of his life and his sacrifice. I'll say that the devil works overtime to try to cover and bury every good work a father has done to make him feel like he hasn't done anything and nothing matters. Many good fathers have no idea how good they have been to their children. All they see is their failures. The devil is sitting there shouting at them constantly. Every time something negative is mentioned, it's all they hear. But in Jesus' name, we bind the accuser of the brethren. We command the voice of accusation against our fathers to be shut up. We pray, Lord, that you would raise encouragement up to our dads today. We can do it. It is a dad life, hallelujah, that we're living. And I just pray, Lord, you would honor the dads today and bless them in a special way in your name. Amen.